Greetings and salutations. This is Michael Govier from the First Day Podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 203, 2021, The Year in Pop Culture. Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and welcome to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations, and welcome to season seven of the podcast. We're going to kick off the new year and the new season with a look back at pop culture from 2021. But before we do that, welcome back, Derek. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be back for our lucky seventh season, buddy. We have had a few weeks of vacation, you and I, so uh, we had some time off. What's new in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Oh my God, Chris, I had (laughs) so much time to watch so many things. The only way I could think to talk about all this stuff was to do pop culture speed round. So (laughs) you've got a lot of, you know, you had a lot. You usually have a lot of time on your hands. And then now with the holidays, my goodness. I I had time, but I made time. You know, it was Christmas. I had time off. I had time with family. So we watched some stuff and it was great. I mean, I had great holidays. It's great to be great to just have some downtime to to not have to log into work. Had a chance to see some of the family, not too much of the family, obviously because of COVID restrictions, but uh, had a chance to you know see and, and talk to a couple of friends over the holiday season. You know, it's always it's always nice to connect to people over the holiday. I always try and make a point over the holidays of reaching out to some people that maybe I I have not had an opportunity to chat with so much over the last few months or six months or maybe even since last Christmas. And likewise, I have a few friends that I don't hear from that often, but between the two of us, we usually get back to each other over Christmas. So it, it was it's always nice to, to have that kind of connection. And so. we had the ability to get together over Christmas. Yes. We went shopping we, for some comic books together. We did. I got a couple of old Batmans, and, uh, you know, I managed to find some Crunchberries for you, which yeah. I, I hope made your Christmas a little merrier. Yes, and, and when we were at the comic book store, I was able to buy the Death Squad Commander from Star, Star Wars from the 1978 uh, initial 12-figure uh, collection. So it was great. There you go. Yep. No, it was a good time all around. Such so. a so I've got a whole bunch of pop culture stuff. I'm going to start with the speed round, and then I'm going to dive into just a couple of these. Now, okay. a couple of these in the speed round are are actually going to be things I want to talk about a little bit during our episode, this this year in review episode. Gotcha. So I'm just going to include them in the speed round and just gloss over them. So don't, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, how can he speed round that? That was a great movie or that was a new release. Don't sweat it. We'll come back to a couple of these. But there's a couple I definitely, definitely want to uh, to chat about because I think you're going to have a few things to say about them. And, uh, you know, a- as per the norm, there is more than one documentary on this list, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Yes. All right. So I'm going to do speed round here. Go. These are movies that I saw. I'm just going to give you the name. If it's a movie maybe you don't know, I'll tell you a little bit about it, and I'll just sort of give you my, my rating. Okay? Sure. So here we go. Okay. I watched The Matrix, the very first one, A+. Plus. One of the greatest movies ever. Loved it. I watched the third Matrix in preparation for the fourth one that I knew I was going to see because I hadn't seen it since it came out in the theater. It was not great. I give it a C, let's say a C minus. Okay. 
Then we went and saw the new Matrix, Matrix 4. Uh, I can't remember what the subtitle of it is, Resurrection, I think. It's really long. It's two and a half hours, but it was great. I give it a solid A. Hmm. I watched a documentary, don't play the song yet, called Paper and Glue, about a guy who takes pictures and then blows them up to be big enough to paste them on the side of buildings. Fantastic. I give it a solid B, maybe even a B plus. It was really good. It was on uh, CNN. Uh, I saw the movie Domino, directed by one of my favorites, uh, Tony Scott. I'd never seen the movie before. Stars Kira Knightley as a bounty hunter based loosely on a true story. It was pretty good. I give it a B minus, but you could clearly see it was just the director getting ready to do Man on Fire, which we've already done on a previous podcast. So Domino was decent, but not fantastic. I rewatched the movie Babe, the one about the talking pig. Oh, Hadn't seen good. it in 20 years. I give it a solid A minus. It was great. It really holds up. If you've mm -hmm. got kids, watch this with the kids. You'll love it. Brand new movie just came out. We'll talk about it a little more later called Tick, Tick, Boom. It'll be nominated for a bunch of Oscars. It stars Andrew Garfield. It's a musical. I'm not a big musical guy. I give this a solid A+. plus. If you have Netflix, check this out. Tick, Tick, Boom. We'll talk about it more later. I watched The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, both starring Andrew Garfield. I gave them both Cs. I give a C plus to the first one, a C minus to the second one. They're not great. Don't waste your time if you haven't seen them. I watched a brand new release called The Power of Dog, probably be nominated for some Oscars, starts uh, Cumberbatch. It was okay. It's exceptionally long. It's very boring. The last 20 minutes have an exceptional payoff, but man, I had to wait two hours to get there. I give it a B or a B minus. I watched uh, a brand new show that just came out called Station Eleven that's getting a lot of rave reviews. I give it a big fat F. It was <laughs> terrible. The first episode I thought was really good. The second episode was terrible. The third episode was even worse. I gave up on it. I don't understand why people think this is as great as it should be. Uh, I watched a quick documentary, another episode of the Netflix series called Bad Sports about people who take money to do oh, yeah. bad things. You had mentioned that one sports. previously. Yeah. yeah. I watched the one about called um, Horse Hitman. It's mm. about a guy who was hired by people who uh, do professional horse shows and horse jumping to kill their horses because the horses are worth more dead through the insurance money than they would ever be as studs or as professional jumping horses. It's ridiculously corrupt, exceptionally good. Give that one a solid A. Okay, I want to come back to a couple that, that we'll talk about. I watched, for the very first time, the classic starring Roy Scheider, no, not Jaws, all that jazz. Oh, yes. Well, Bob Fosse. Very good. I had never seen it. I knew it was a musical, and I knew that Roy Schreider either had been or should have been nominated for an Oscar. That's all I knew coming into it. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Cool. I couldn't believe I had never seen it before. It was awesome. I, I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. And like I said, I'm not a musicals guy. This movie was great. I can't recommend it strongly enough. Fantastic. Solid A, maybe even an A+. Wow. Have you seen it? Yes. Long, long, long time ago I've seen it. I don't remember much. You got to find it. Find it again and watch it again. You'll you'll forget how Roy good Schreiner it was. Roy really captures that. Oh, my God. Fosse he was mania. so yeah. good. Yeah. I had no idea it was based on the real guy. And then when I'm reading the trivia after, I'm like, oh, my God, that's what this was really about. Super good. Loved it. Had a chance to watch yet another musical, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, jeez. That's a good one. Oh, man. I hadn't seen it in probably 15 years. I love the soundtrack. I couldn't believe I remembered almost all the words to all the songs. Yep. This was great. I can't, I couldn't 
remember how good the first hour was. I was in such, and the last hour is a little, uh, the last half hour is sort of a little bit of a downer. I find well, this, that doesn't last, stick the, the landing. The last 15 minutes, it just devolves yeah, into just weirdness. Like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the movie just gets better and better and better and better, better and then doesn't stick the landing. It's a little unfortunate. Yeah. But the first hour, absolutely solid, fantastic, great songs, lots of fun, lots of smiles. I had a chance to watch a movie from the 80s I'd never seen before, but I know a lot of people hold in high regard. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Have you oh, ever seen this? No, I haven't. It's a big cult uh, favorite. It's it a huge dumb. cult movie. Yeah. yeah. Never seen it. Knew a lot about mm-hmm. the, the presence it has in pop culture and was very disappointed. Now, I knew it wasn't great. I knew that's part of the appeal of, a, of the cult following is it's this movie that wasn't great that people have like, they, they like they hold it in high esteem and it's it's good because it's so bad. It was just so bad. <laughs> I, I'm going to generously give this one a C and most of that grade just comes from the nostalgia factor because there's a fantastic cast doing ridiculous things. Jeff Goldblum is cast as a cowboy that everybody totally takes seriously. It's a movie about a guy played by Peter Weller, who most people know as Robocop, who is a brain surgeon, a rock star, an engineer, and an adventurer, and is probably the most famous person on the planet. It is just the most ridiculous premise. I had to watch it just for the sake of watching it. I don't think I ever need to see it again, but if you're an 80s pop culture person, like I know you and I are, I think you have to see it at least once, but it it was not great. Um, Okay, sorry, let me just check my list. What else did I want to, oh. Chris, mm-hmm. if I told you I watched a movie that was um, produced by Steven Spielberg and written by um, Robert Zemeckis, do you know which movie I'm talking about? Uh, would it be? It wouldn't be Back to the Future, no. It was, was not. Zemeckis directed that one. Um, I don't know which one would it be. Stars Kurt Russell and came out in 1980. Uh, it's not used cars, is it? It is used cars. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> I hadn't seen this movie since the mid 80s. And this should have probably been on the list of movies I saw way too young. I, I saw it probably a dozen times when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. <laughs> Haven't seen it since the mid 80s. I watched it this week and I loved it. It held up in my memory so well. I had such a good time with this movie. I it, it's, it's hard to find. It just happened to show up on one of the retro channels. Called Used Cars with Kurt Russell from mm-hmm. from 1980. Jack Gordon, I think, uh, is in it too. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little bit kooky and crazy, but mm-hmm. oh my god, it, it had a lot of laughs. And I a lot of what I rem- you know sometimes you remember things and then you go back and watch them again. And you're like, ooh, that isn't as good as I remembered it. This was exactly as good as I remembered it. I cool. would give Used Cars a solid B. And the last one I have is a documentary. It, did you say a documentary? Oh, I did. For 40 days and 40 nights, watch documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's documentaries. Derek's documentaries. Our producer Sloth, right there with the drops. There you go. Okay, so what was the documentary that you watched? It was called The Super Bob Einstein Movie. Do you know who Bob Einstein is? No. He is better known to many of us as Super Dave Osborne. Oh, yes. That wasn't his. So it's called The. Bob Einstein was his real name. Huh. Do you know who Bob Einstein's real life brother, famous brother is? Uh, I don't know, but what, is he Canadian? He is not. No. His brother, honest to God, his real life brother is Albert Brooks. Oh, very cool. 
And part of the reason Albert Brooks changed his last name is because he didn't want to be Albert Einstein. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Uh, anyway, it's a documentary about Bob Einstein, who most of us know as Super Dave Osborne. Yep. And it's the story of how he got into showbiz and his both of his parents were in showbiz. And obviously his brother Mel Brooks or um, Albert Brooks, rather, was in showbiz. And Bob Einstein started off as a comedy writer. And he was like a writing partner with Steve Martin and uh, a lot of other very famous, well-known comedy writers. And he wrote for a whole bunch of variety shows in the 60s and 70s and then started getting like little TV appearances as almost always as a straight man. Like basically he was honing the Super Dave character where it's like, I'm going to come on stage and just keep completely straight and not laugh, but do some ridiculous premise. And that was sort of his shtick. And eventually he ended up getting the Super Dave Osborne character. He got the Super Dave Osborne show, which I think they said ran for like five or six seasons. So he like started it was... doing that with John Biner on Bizarre. Yeah, on Bizarre. Toronto. And yeah. that's maybe why I thought he was Canadian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, and then more recently, uh, I mean, he passed away a couple of years ago, but more recently he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yep. Yep. Uh, a show I never watched, but I've seen a few it's episodes. And I, yeah, most people who who like it really like it. And uh, yeah, the documentary was fantastic. I, I mean, you know me, I love a good documentary, but I thought I knew a lot about this guy until I watched the doc and I was like, oh my God, there's there's a lot more to this guy. It was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's airing, I want to say on oof, Crave in Canada. So I think it's an HBO documentary or maybe uh, stars in the US. But yeah, it was quite good. I give it a solid A. But uh, yeah, that was my, uh, my, my documentary pick for the week super bob einstein movie if you haven't seen it check it out nice you did a lot of stuff over the holidays oh and, and, I, and I left a few off the list because we're going to be coming to them oh, later no no kidding uh so no offense but i just i just want to say that i i'd like to mention one thing that i did and I, and i'm going to top yours because for me oh. again no offense but it's quality over quantity here so i just want to set this up so okay. a number of years ago probably like five six years ago um my if I was to ask you, who's my idol of all time, pop culture idol? Who is it? Uh, well, it's got to be Fonzie. Yeah, it's Fonzie, right? I mean, of course. Henry Winkler is the greatest person I've, I've ever known in pop culture. He's my idol. So about five, six years ago, he was coming to the Niagara Falls Comic Con. And I was going to Oh, go I remember see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so excited. I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go meet Fonzie. And my wife was like, no, you can't go because we're going to have a garage sale. And I was like, a garage sale? Are you freaking kidding me? Like, what the hell? No, we got to stay home. We're having a garage sale. So the 80 bucks that we made in our garage sale was totally worth me not going to visit and see Fonzie, you know, my idol of all time. So I didn't go. And then a couple of years back, I think it was 2018, he was coming, scheduled to come to the Hamilton Comic-Con. And I was really excited because he was going to be there and I was going to go down and see him. And then I was going to be able to finally meet Fonzie. And also Carol Spinney was there. And Carol Spinney was the puppeteer that did Big Bird and oh, right. Oscar Big the Grinch. Yeah. And I was so excited I could go and see these guys. And then at the last minute, Henry Winkler had to cancel. He wasn't feeling well. So he canceled his appearance. So That's I didn't... in air quotes, right? Wasn't feeling well in air quotes. Because he showed up at the Emmys the next day and won a bunch of Emmys. Yeah. So, so I didn't go. Right. So I didn't go down. And then and then unfortunately, like two months later, Carol Spinney died. So like I felt really bad because I really, you know, missed out on that. So anyway, so I never got a chance to meet Fonzie and I've never let my wife live it down because, you know, she made me stay home for the garage sale and blah, blah, blah. So then and then on now all of a sudden now that COVID hits, there's no way I'm like, you know, all these things like Fan Expo and stuff, they're all getting shut down. There's no way I'm ever going to meet Fonzie. So I just have reserved myself to the fact that I'll never meet my idol. And that's just my lot in life. And then for Christmas, 
My wife gives me my gift, and my gift was a virtual one-on-one meeting with Henry Winkler. Nice. <laughs> Dude, it was fantastic. So I got, I got two minutes with Henry Winkler. But when I started talking to him, he extended the time and gave me like five minutes. And it was just so nice because, you know, he starts off and he's like, okay, you know, nice to meet you. And the thing is, too, when you, when you meet your idol and he turns out to be like the nicest person in the entire planet, it's just such a wonderful feeling. Because there's, I couldn't imagine there's anything worse than like meeting your idols and finding out they're jerks. You know, yeah. like, 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 yeah. like, you know, I think of that movie Breaking Away when the guy wanted to meet his idols and then they, they were all idiots. And it's just so terrible. But I, I meet Henry Winkler. He's just such a wonderful, kind human being. So he's like, do you have a question for me? And I said, I don't. I said, but I would like to use my time to instead tell you why you're my idol. And so I proceeded to tell him why I look up to him and why I've always admired him. And, and I said, so my, my wife gave me this Christmas gift for me to be able to tell you this. And his response to me was, this is my Christmas gift this year. Thank you very much. And it was just, it was just a great, it was just a great experience. So I'm so excited. So I got a chance to meet Fonzie. So again, quality over quantity. I only did one thing, but I met Fonzie. I met my eye. No, I can't, I can't compete with that. That's a good one. Your wife clearly won Christmas. Yeah. I hope you you got her more than just like, here's a new sweater, honey. Like, you know, if, if you did just get her something mediocre, whenever her birthday rolls around, you need to like really up your game. I got her a purse. (laughs) Does that count? (laughs) Dude. I know, it's not good. Okay, but I have this for you as well. Here's your dad joke of the week. Okay, Derek, this is pretty, you know, topical right now. So here's my joke. Why don't I like to tell jokes about COVID? Ooh, I don't know, because we're going to put you in quarantine when we hear the punchline. Yes, because you have to wait 14 days to see if people got it. Man, I want to avoid that joke like I want to avoid COVID. I'm like a little kid at Christmas. Were you wearing your neck full of gold? I love Christmas. I always have. Okay. I thought it would only be fitting that I write a song. There's three piles of poop. Which one do you like the most? <laughs> well, this one. That's I guess that's just McGroove. Did you drink a lot of rum and then record? Like, is that that's the connection? All right. So I thought it'd be a good idea this week, <clears throat> you know, coming back into the, the new year and our seventh season. Let's take a look back at the year that just was. That was 2021 in pop culture. A lot of stuff happened in uh, 2021, I guess. You know, I wouldn't know because I'm still stuck in 1989 and before. So I'm going to be really relying on you to do a lot of the heavy lifting this week for me, my friend. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've been, <laughs> I've been working out my pop culture workout, as so, we just okay. heard, has been has, so you know, I I got a pop we, culture game. Well, I thought what you could do is just kind of go back and forth and just kind of just mention some things about uh, and then, you know, we'll get to other things like, you know, people we lost and stuff like that later on. But right now, like just I thought maybe we could just kind of go back and forth with some things that, that happened last year in regard to pop culture. And just kind of reflect on them. So I want to start with one. Because you know me, I'm like a big political guy too. I like politics. And I also like pop culture. It might be easy to forget about this one. But last year in January, when Joe Biden was was inaugurated as the president, Bernie Sanders was there. And he was sitting in a chair wearing this blue mask. And he had his hands like folded over each other. Wearing these big kind of pattern knitted mitts and for a short time there it's easy to forget maybe but it was like all the rage people would photoshop 
Bernie Sanders sitting in that chair into all kinds of situations. And some of the best ones in my mind were always the pop culture references. Like I saw ones like him sitting beside like the Lost Ark or in Jurassic Park or like riding in the Millennium Falcon and all this kind of stuff. I don't, do you remember all that? I do. I do. I didn't, I didn't really get on the bandwagon, but I definitely remember seeing them showing up on my social media feed and I most of them were, it was, were pretty I, fun. Yeah. It was like a pop culture, bit of a phenomenon there for a while. So that was one of the first ones I want to kick off. Cause it was like from January of last year. So um, what's, what's one that, that kind of jumps out to you? So for me, one of the things, I mean, basically I broke down my homework into sort of categories. I got a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about with movies. I've got some TV show stuff. I obviously we're going to get to the Immorium, uh, a few other things. But for me, I want to just touch on movies for a sec without going into the actual specifics is for me going into 2021, this was like we had already had nine months of quarantine with a little bit of up and down. And we were all very hopeful coming into 2021 that the quarantine would would loosen up a bit, and which it eventually did to a certain extent. But what it really hit home for me this past year was when it came to watching new movies. So traditionally, you would go to the movie theater, you'd watch the new movie, and a few months later, it might be available on DVD or Blu-ray or, or on home viewing, pay-per-view, what have you. And... This past year seemed to really be the year when the, the 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 companies that make movies realized if we want to make money off some of these, we need to put them in front of the people that are at home and make these movies available either through the streaming services, be it Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, or just that you could go like, so here in Canada, we have cineplex.com. We could go to the Cineplex website through our smart TV and, and buy or rent a movie to watch at home. Now, this this was happening in 2020 a little bit. And I think the studios in 2020 were very hesitant because obviously they're going to make more money if they release it in the theater. But when the theaters are closed or people are too afraid to go to the theater or your theater capacity is only 50 percent, I think a lot of the companies had to start looking at their business model. And so I think this past year was really when they started to to realize hey, if this movie is made already, let's get it out there. Or in the case of something like Netflix, they really, really started to ramp up the the Netflix original feature. And I was sort of going through, like I keep a list, honestly, I didn't keep it that well, but for most of the year, I kept a list of all the movies I, I watched. And when I was going back through the list before this show, there was a lot, like over a dozen movies on that list that were, Netflix exclusives, Amazon exclusives, HBO exclusives, where they might have at one point come out in the theater if things had been quote unquote normal. But in the COVID world, there was never any intention for some of these to ever come out in the theater. They were made for the home viewer on the streaming platform and your subscription price or your rental price. That's how they were recovering this money. And so for me, that's one of the things I think I'm always going to remember about 2021 is this was the year when. Uh, you know, you watch new, brand new releases, full Hollywood movies with A-list stars at home, and there there wasn't anything weird about it. It's like, that's how I'm getting the movie. Hey, this could win an Oscar. I'm seeing it for the very first time at home, not because I chose not to go to the theater, but because it wasn't available in the theater, or it was released at home the same day it was released in the theater. And I think that's something that years from now we're going to look back on, and this is going to be a pivotal turning point for pop culture. I'd like to build on what you just said a little bit. So it's a well-documented fact around here that I watch basically nothing 
you know, that's come out after 1989, unless you make me watch it, you know, here on the, on the podcast. You're welcome. Yeah. But I, I wanted to let you know something. I actually saw two movies recently and they both came out in 2021. Yeah. You should be proud of me. So, the two movies that I actually watched from last year that were new, Spider-Man No Way Home. My son and I went to the movie theater to see this uh, over the Christmas holiday. Uh, and by the way, spoiler alert. No, 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 no spoilers. No spoilers? There is so much to spoil in that movie. Just tell us if you liked it or not. Uh, it's better than a kick in the head. Wow. I mean, uh, okay. then again, what isn't maybe a kick in the balls? Like, let, you know me, I mean? let me jump in on this one. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. Very spoiler free. This was my favorite movie of the year. Hands down. No question. And this might have been my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that's been released so far to date. And I'll come back to that. But okay. that's that's I, how how okay. much I enjoy. So, so 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 just skip past this part of the podcast because I just want to give one little spoiler thing. So the spoiler alert. There's a scene where Tobey Maguire and the other guy come through time and they join the newest Spider-Man guy and they join up together. I'm like, really? I mean, come on, man. But here's the thing. How the hell do they get these three Spider-Mans together and not do the meme where the three Spider-Mans are all pointing at each other? Well, and you know that meme is from the other Spider-Man movie, right? I don't know. This whole thing's dumb. Okay, so the other movie that I watched, um, it was actually a documentary. And it's called Don't Look Up. I don't think that's a documentary, but yeah, it's a documentary in my mind. It certainly wasn't the first movie about a meteor hurtling toward Earth. You know, no, I haven't seen this one, so try not to ruin too much of it. I, I do know the basic premise. Though. Okay, so I mean, like, like we saw this kind of concept in movies like Armageddon. I remember Deep Impact, that one too. Even Night of the Comet. Oh, that's a personal favorite of mine, though. But what made this movie different for me was that it's it's how they react to the meteor coming, because. With all the misinformation and disinformation and, and generally how just dumb everybody is and, you know, doing their own research, a big part of the population, especially in this movie, they, they, they think it's all fake news or it's a hoax. Of course. Right? Of course. And so instead, they listen to their grifting president, right? And, and then the president in this movie leads them in this chant, don't look up, don't look up, you know? And just ignore the truth that's, you know, right in, in plain sight and just believe whatever, you know, what I tell you, whatever you want, even if the truth is going to kill you, you know. And this movie could be used as a metaphor for climate change or you could use it as a metaphor for COVID or even for just the dismantling of democracy in the U.S. But it's just a fascinating character study of the American psyche. To me, it was almost documentary in nature. You know, it, it, it's more closer to a documentary than a scripted film almost. I mean, and the other thing I just want to mention, no spoilers here, but... I really like Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he might be one of the best actors of his generation. Like, he's that good. He is good in every single thing that he does. And, and the thing I like about him the most in this movie is he doesn't just play it as this one-dimensional character, which would be really, really easy to do with this kind of, kind of role. You know, but, oh, God, this movie is... So take the time to watch it. It's so good. It, I can't believe I'm recommending next, a new movie for you. It's literally next on my watch list, and, and it's, I've, I've it's had a long good. watch list over the last few weeks, it's but I, I, I read an article the other day where it said, here are four or five movies that we are guaranteeing will be nominated for awards, and you should watch them, and, and I've watched the first two on the list, and the third one is this one you just talked about. It is 
literally and metaphorically the next movie on my paper list and in my mind the next one I want to watch so it's quite uh, stylistic too it's quite my wife watched it last week and she didn't care for it but sometimes she and I just don't connect on the the movies the same way usually we're pretty close but I I got a feeling knowing what I know about this movie I had a feeling she wasn't going to like it anyway but I'm really looking forward to seeing I don't know what else I can say those are the only two movies I watched I don't know what else there is out there but this movie should be definitely nominated for best picture I would think it should definitely win. So I, I think I think the belief is that it could squeak in. Um, I mean, I think they can nominate up to ten pictures for for ten movies for best picture, and I think the feeling is this is sort of in that six to ten ballpark uh, where it could squeak in. But uh, again, I haven't seen it, and I've been trying not to read a lot of the hype because I haven't seen it yet. You know, again, I, I like to try and avoid spoilers as much as I can. So another big thing that happened last year, I want to mention the Friends reunion. So. My wife absolutely loves this show. Like she still watches all those old episodes on the on the streaming services. So so needless to say, like she she had to watch this reunion. And the thing is, for such an iconic TV show, this reunion wasn't very good. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, Matt LeBlanc, I liked. I, I, I thought he was very funny in this, and I know he got a lot of attention online, especially on social media, because he looked like someone's uncle. You know, in this, and he, he kind of did. Like, he's put on weight, you know, and he's, he's got gray hair and stuff. But it, it wasn't ju- just that that he's aged since the show went off the air. If you watch this, like, he genuinely looked like he was just enjoying being there. Like, he was just smiling the whole time. Like, he was just, he was with his old friends, you know? And I mean, I just thought it was really cool. Um, I think, I can't help but think that there's a better Friends retrospective out there to be made someday. But this wasn't it. But uh, it was definitely a pop culture phenomenon from from last year. Did you happen to see it? No, I mean, I know it it came out. Honestly, when the French show came out, I didn't care for it. I didn't watch it the first couple of seasons because it just it didn't appeal to me. And people I knew watched it. And then when I started dating my wife, she watched it. So I watched it with her. I, I think I caught the last two seasons when they were like on the air. And I just sort of went, this is okay. I, I mean, there's the six main characters. I think I only like two of them and the other ones I'm just like either I didn't care for them or I just thought I you know whatever you are you know you are who you are uh here's six beautiful people doing their thing and that's fine and so when they're like we're having a reunion I'm like don't care at all so for but I know a lot of people love it and that's great and I've seen a lot of the like I I've, I've probably seen every episode in rerun since then but not too long ago they started rerunning them uh on one of the channels and I catch an episode here or there and some of the humor doesn't really hold up. It's there's a lot of homophobic humor in this one, which really didn't sit well with me. But I mean, for the most part, like the great episodes are still great episodes. And uh, over, uh, I think it was maybe not Chris, maybe it was American Thanksgiving. They did like the best 30 episodes of Friends ever. And it happened to be on a lot that weekend in my house. And let me tell you, those top 10 are absolutely some of the top 10 best episodes of TV ever. And they, they do hold up, but as a whole, I found there's a lot of the episodes that just don't, and it's just not my cup of tea. That's fine. Uh, Is there something else from last year that was your cup of tea? Absolutely. So you want to talk about TVs, movies, or we'll back and forth. Let's talk about movies. Cause that's first on my list. Sure. So we talked about the fact that Netflix had all these great movies. I just want to run another list of a bunch of the ones that either I saw or, well, I, I think I saw all of these ones that are, are like solid films. These were all Netflix releases. You couldn't see these in the theater or they came out on Netflix the same day they came out in the theater. And these are all solid films. 
some of them are just like fun popcorn movies, but like these are all all big names. They all have big actors in them. So, uh, you know, there was a heist movie called The Vault. It had the guy who's in The Good Doctor as the main character. It was really good. There was a movie called Outside the Wire with, uh, I think his name's Anthony Mackie, the guy who plays the Falcon in the Marvel Comics uh, movies. It was really good. He plays like a super soldier. Uh, there's a movie called Unforgivable, The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock. She could even be nominated for an Oscar for that. The Mitchells versus the Machines, an animated movie, which I personally didn't care for, but got outstanding reviews across the board from just about everybody else who saw it. Red Notice had uh, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot and The Rock. It was a fun little movie. Uh, Army of the Dead was this one, this zombie apocalypse movie where they went to Las Vegas to uh, to recover some stuff. It was kind of fun. And then the two Oscar films, The Power of Do- Power of the Dog with uh, Cumberbatch, for the life of me, I'm sorry, I can't remember his first, Benedict Cumberbatch, thank you. And... Um, Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, starring Andrew Garfield. It's a musical. Those two films are definitely going to be all over the award sheet. And, like, they are Netflix. Netflix produced them. Uh, They were released on Netflix. Like, these are two solid films that most people have access to in their house. You just throw on Netflix and and pop it in. Like, Tick, Tick, Boom, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this movie. Again, considering I'm not a musical guy, I saw, like, four or five musicals in the last few weeks, and they were all fantastic. This one being the a plus of the of the crowd like the netflix has really come into its own it really st- you know it's taken a few years to sort of get there with a lot of the adam sandler crap they put out but um netflix really knows how to make a movie and they're really starting to become a powerhouse in the movie making industry and they get big stars and they put big money behind it and they get some good talent to write and direct and produce and this is the year where netflix like has really demonstrated that they need to be taken seriously as a production company Amazon, maybe not quite as much, but they're starting to get there. We had um, uh, Coming to America, the sequel, like Coming the Number Two America, Mm -hmm. the sequel to the 80s comedy. It was okay. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was fun to revisit those characters. Uh, We had another one called Without Remorse. I can't remember. I wrote this down, but honestly, I don't remember what this one's about. I didn't put any notes next to it, but that's, I know I watched. That's it. the one based on the Tom Clancy novel. I'm yes, that's yeah. it. It's the yeah. one that is the. It's um, that book was Michael good. B. I Jordan. And it's it's a precursor to what eventually will become Rainbow Six, which a lot of people are familiar with from the video game franchise. It was a solid movie. And then there was the one, The Tomorrow War, with um, uh, Chris Pratt, who most people would probably know from Parks and Rec and Guardians of the Galaxy. It was a fun sci-fi adventure movie. So again, even Amazon's starting to get into this. Like, they know how to make, uh, you know, they're starting to really, these streaming companies are really starting to become major players in the movie world so those are all like just some of the the blah blah that happened this year from from the streamers alone and then i mean from the major movie productions you had marvel who finally after all these delays put out the black widow movie which i'll be honest wasn't my favorite marvel movie but i'd been starving so much for a new comic book movie that that you know when we eventually got to see it i i did really enjoy it but i've since watched it again and went yeah it was just okay um, but then they also put out Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I thought was great. And I really love the fact that it was this Asian superhero leading a movie. You had this, you know, this performer who had been previously uh, known from Kim's Convenience, which we've talked about a bunch of times, TV show here that was made famous in Canada, and carries this movie. The movie has everything a Marvel Comics movie should have. It's, you know, it's setting up new Marvel movies coming down the road. Like, we had some really big blockbuster movies that came out this year so despite some of the problems in the pandemic and stuff we had a lot of fun with the movies i want to talk about a tv show for a minute here <clears throat> i just got to get the title right i can't remember it's like and then there's that or 
and then this is it or something like that. It's, I, I can't remember. It's a Sex in the City reboot. Okay. And, yeah, and, my wife's been watching those. The worst part about this show, and, and there's actually a lot not to like, but I think the worst part is the title. Like, like I said, I just I can't even remember it. Like, a good title should be easy to remember. Like Friends, <laughs> you know, we just mentioned. But um, anyway, Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, she hasn't done a whole lot since Real Genius. She wasn't in Real Genius, pal. You got to go back and listen to episode uh, 201, whatever, just a couple episodes ago when when I mentioned that, uh, when we get that reference. Um, So I remember reading somewhere online, Kristen Davis was like really mad at the response that people were giving to the way the girls look now. And, And here's the thing. She got all up in arms because people were being critical of their looks. And she's basically said, you know, like, well, we've, we've changed, you know, we're older now. You know, they're, of course, they're going to look different. But to me, that kind of misses the point because it's like I watched the first episode because my wife really liked Sex in the City. So we watched this episode together. It's not that these girls look old. It's the friggin' plastic surgery that makes them look all weird. Like, and I understand. I mean, I get it. Women in Hollywood have to, you know, compete. You know, and, you know, to try and look young and, and you know, and, and, and just to get parts. And that sucks. And I mean, like, I mean, when it comes to men, there's a double standard, right? I mean, you've got Uncle Joey over there, right? And that's okay. That's accepted. But women have to stay like youthful looking. So maybe I'm the only one, but I, I love it when women age, when the actresses age. Like um, my wife and I watched this, uh, this show on Netflix called The Kaminsky Method. It's with Michael yeah, Douglas. But- my parent, my mom watched it. She loves it. It's one of oh, her favorites. Man. If you have not seen, if anyone has not seen this, I would highly recommend it. It's so good. But anyway, Nancy Travis is on that show. Uh, she was the actress from the Mike Myers movie, um, So I Married an Axe So I Married an Axe Murder. Yeah. Yeah. And she was in Three Men and a Baby back in the 80s. Oh, but yeah. She she hasn't had any plastic surgery. She just aged. And you know what? She looks amazing. She looks like a 50-year-old woman. Like, it's it's refreshing almost to see. Maybe, maybe because I'm an old guy myself. I don't know. But I just I was going to say, maybe, maybe, like, I'm married to a 50-year-old woman. So, you know, yeah. to me, that's fine. It looks I, great. I just don't like the plastic surgery and how different it makes these actresses look. You know, even if you think back to the Friends reunion, where you're talking, I thought Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston looked like they, they'd had a bunch of plastic surgery. They looked terrible. The Phoebe, Lisa Kudrow, she looked like she didn't have any. She looked the best of all of them, I thought. Anyway, so... Anyway, Sex in the City is like this big thing now, this whatever it's called, and then there's this or whatever. But um, I don't know. It wasn't real. I just I just don't care for it. That's my take. So let me talk. Well, I want to come back to movies in a bit, but let me jump sure. to TV shows since you're there. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the TV shows that I watched just in the last week that I left off the list because I knew we were going to talk about it here. One of my new favorite TV shows that I think was one of the best shows I watched in 2021 that I just finally got around to watching was Ted Lasso, season one and season two. Have you watched them? They're on Apple TV. No, I've heard about it. I don't have Apple uh, Apple Plus, so. So my, my I, don't have, I don't have any Apple products. My brother is an Apple guy. He's got an Apple phone, Apple computer, all that. And he bought a new tablet for Christmas. And part of what came with his package was 30 days of Apple Plus TV. Well, he already has Apple Plus TV. So he gave me the code and I was able to get Apple on my TV for the first time ever. So for the last two weeks since Christmas, I've been like just binging everything on Apple I could possibly want because I have no intention of renewing this past the 90 day free trial. So the very first thing that my wife and I watched was Ted Lasso season one, season two. And let me tell you, 
you know, sometimes you hear a lot of hype about something and it just gets built up and build up. And then when you finally experience it for yourself, you're like, yeah, that was just okay. And because the hype has sort of ruined it, it's like, if you had just come to it on your own, you would have enjoyed it. But with the hype, your expectations have been built up so much that there's no possible way it could ever live up to it. This absolutely lived up to all the hype. It is one of the best shows I've ever watched, which is what I've been hearing from everybody who's seen it. Season one came out this time last year. Season two came out just this past year, November, December. And it is it is absolutely one of the best shows on TV. It's one of the best TV series I've ever watched. All the accolades and awards and critical praise that it's been getting, it deserves. It is just so good on so many levels. And I, I, I binged season one in a single day on a Sunday. Then I had to go back to work, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I've been sort of doing a few episodes at a time. And just before we recorded this podcast, I watched the last episode of season two. So I managed to get all of season one in one day. And then season two took me two or three days to get through. And I'm, I'm both glad that I watched it, but sad that it's over. It is so good. It is one of the absolute best things I watched in 2021, 2022. And I'm hoping, I I mean, I'm fairly confident they've renewed it for season three, but I don't think we're going to get them until the fall. It is super good. If you haven't seen this, like believe the hype. It is fantastic. Yeah, I've heard about it. Oh, you know what? 2021 is the year that I learned what a conservatorship was. So if somebody is deemed to be like unable to like take care of themselves, you know, either they're, personal well-being or their finances or whatever, their day-to-day lives, then their estate gets handled by a third party. So, Britney Spears, we remember her. Oh, yes. Yes. I guess shaving your head in public and losing your kids qualifies for, you know, getting your estate managed for you in a conservatorship. So, in this case, it was her dad, Jamie Spears, took over her money. Yeah, like this is going to work out well. There's yeah. such, such a long history of child stars' parents being above Say, board. Let's, let's talk to Gary Coleman's <laughs> yeah, parents. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. My parents stealing all my money. <laughs> so anyway, there was this whole like free Britney thing that was going on around the country. And then I guess finally the judge ruled that Britney Spears would be able to get to control her own money and take it away from her dad. But I, I think my biggest takeaway was, you know, it's a slow pop culture year when one of the biggest stories is Britney Spears and it's not 1999. <laughs> so that was my takeaway from that one. Yeah, it was certainly not a not a story I had any any interest in. Didn't watch the documentary. And you know how much I love a good documentary. Did not watch it, didn't care for it. I mean, her music is what her music is, love it or hate it. I mean, it's it's poppy and catchy, but it's, you know, just it's 20 years since she was big. Don't care anymore. Um so, Chris, I want to just sort of run down a, a, a list of some good shows that I saw this year okay. that if, if you haven't seen them, you should do yourself a favor, find them and watch them because they were absolutely solid. Uh, again, we're going to sort of do speed round. I'm not going to waste a lot of time going into detail, especially because a couple of these I know we've talked about in great detail already. Sure. The, the show Lupin. It's in French, so it's subtitled into English. Season two of Lupin dropped earlier this season. It's about a gentleman thief. Phenomenally good. Strongly recommend you check it out. Squid Game, we talked about ad nauseum. It was the biggest thing ever for a number of weeks. I'm sure just about everybody listening to this has watched Squid Game or at least knows about it, but you can't talk about 2021 without talking about the Squid Game phenomenon. It was fantastic. 
I've, I've watched the series twice in two weeks. There's a lot of rewatch value. If you only watched it once, I strongly encourage you to go back and watch it a second time because there's a lot of stuff you'll pick up the second time around that maybe you didn't know once you sort of understand what the reveals are at the end. Um, well, it's funny because when we first went into lockdown with COVID back in March of 2020, you know, people obviously didn't know what to do with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So they turned to streaming services like Netflix, right? And that's when shows like Tiger King became like a yes. culture phenomena. And last year in 2020, it was Squid Game. Yeah. You know, it just took the, the pandemic world by storm, probably because it, it, it kind of has a dystopian sensibility woven into the plot. You know, like you're right. That shit was huge. And the fact that it was a Korean language film, like mm. Korean language show, and was such a phenomenon worldwide, speaks volumes to the quality. Because, you know, not to not to demean the people in North America, myself and, and you being two of them, but typically North American viewing audience is not going to gravitate towards a show where they've got to read the subtitles. Typically, they're going to rather prefer to something that is in English. So the fact that this was not in English, but was still such a huge hit around the world, including North America, I think really, really emphasized just the quality of this show. Mm. Uh, Again, we've talked about this a lot. We don't have to dwell on it. All right. The next one I've got is Succession. Season three was on HBO uh, the last couple of months of the year. Again, this show Succession has won and been nominated for a ton of awards in the last couple of years. It deserves all the accolades. The performances are great. The story is great. It's this this you know this show about how the uber rich just are so out of touch with reality, and in a situation where uh, you know most people are struggling to see this story of how just disconnected the 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 ultra rich can be and the problems they have that are really you know only problems to them is you know, interesting and funny and, and, you know, all these things at the same time. So succession, if you haven't watched succession, I'd strongly encourage you to go back and take a look. Season three is now complete and it's great. And it won't surprise me to see if it gets nominated for a bunch of awards come award season time. I had heard a lot about that show recently with season three. So my wife and I just went back and started watching it. We we just started watching season one. We're not quite through season one yet. And I was like, Oh my God, something's got to happen soon. Cause like I'm dying. Like, I mean, nothing's really happening yet. But then I went back and I found something online that said something like season one is okay. Season two is, you know, a bit better, but season three is really good. So like, I'm waiting for the payoff here. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's so-so in season one, but maybe they're just setting everything up. Well, I, I'm glad you're taking a chance to watch mm-hmm. it. And I'm really surprised that you and your wife have both continued to watch it because I know in the past when we've suggested shows, your wife has bailed on the first or second episode. So the no, fact you, that she's actually, been able to hold in. Me. It's usually me that bails. Oh, okay. I, I thought usually it was her bail on the first and my wife always gets mad at me. Because then she's oh. like, I got to watch this on my own now sometime. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I always bail. But All no, right. So I've been sticking it out so far. I'm All waiting right. because I've heard such good things about Succession Season 3. Like, I just, I got to stick around. So. Oh, well, I agree. I think Season 1, I mean, I think the show's gotten better every year. I thought Season 1 was good. Season 2 was great. And Season 3 was excellent. So I'm thinking by Season 2, you're really going to start to pick it up. Uh, but I, I hope you're enjoying right. it along the way. Uh, a couple other shows. Um, animated series called Arcane League of Legends based very loosely on the online game you play on your phone called League of Legends, although you don't need to know anything about that. This is an animated show that sort of takes place in like a fantasy steampunk setting, but it's all about the characters. And I think, you know, a lot of times video games have been 
adapted into TV and movies and they haven't done well. And everyone's like, geez, I don't, I don't understand how this franchise that's made billions of dollars as a video game didn't work as a TV series or a movie. And it's like, the, here's the secret. If you don't have compelling characters in an interesting story, nobody cares that it's based on, on a video game you're familiar with. And I think this is where like the DC Comics has had a real problem. Yeah, it's Superman and Batman, but they have a, a wide variety of very interesting supporting characters. And if you don't give those supporting characters chance to actually be in the story and you don't have compelling stories, nobody cares. It's not going to do well. This Arcane League of Legends has been getting phenomenal reviews. The animation style is not really my personal favorite, but I've been able to see past that because I'm really enjoying the story. I'm only about halfway through the series, but most of my nerdy friends have watched it more than once and everybody raves about it. So if you're looking for something to watch, I honestly, I don't remember if it's on Prime or Netflix. I think it might be Prime. Um, uh, but it was, it's been very, very strong. And then um, Marvel, Marvel Comics, now available through Disney+. Plus. This was the year Marvel broke out into the TV universe here. We started with WandaVision. Then we went to Loki. Then we went to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then we went to the What If cartoon, and then they ended it with Hawkeye. So they had five different TV series, uh, self-contained, like complete story arcs, that all came out in this past calendar year, a year when there weren't any real movies coming out because you couldn't go to the theater, but a lot of these these television shows had been shot prior to COVID or they finished them up post like after COVID. And I mean, really, the Marvel Universe people that are doing these these television and movies, they they really they really know what they're doing. These were very strong shows, some obviously a little better than others. But uh, this was the year that Marvel really said, hey, you thought we were good at movies. Time for us to get into some TV. So. I don't think they're going away anytime soon. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're they're just it's basically a license to print money at this point. No kidding. I'd like to get to some people that we lost in 2020. Before I do, I have one more thing I'd like to mention. If I sure, can. fire away. On Disney Plus, uh, yeah. they ran a three part documentary on the Beatles, best band ever. Oh, oh I haven't seen that yet. How it's is called, it? Have you it's watched it? Get Back. Uh, it's directed by Peter Jackson. Each episode's like an hour long. I watched most of the first one, but it's. Basically, footage of them jamming and writing songs in a warehouse. Um, it's really more like a look into the creative process that a band goes through, and it's fascinating to watch. For anyone that's ever been in a band, you can totally relate to it. And then, so funny enough, over the Christmas holidays, I was going through some old boxes in the basement, and I found an old cassette tape of a recording that I did from me and my band in high school. I was in a band and we went out to the edge of town and there was like this big metal barn. It was like a big barn shed thing and a buddy of ours owned it. And we went there and we just spent a whole day just jamming and writing songs. And I'm dying to listen to it. But the problem is where the hell you do you find a tape a, deck? Where do you find a cassette player in 2022? Nice. Like I just can't find one. So I'm I have an old boombox, Chris. The next time we're together, all right. I'll either bring if you come here, bring. I'm the coming tape, there for I'm a visit. I'm bringing the I'll, tape, and we're going to listen to this damn thing. I have an old boombox. The yeah. CD player is broken. The radio is broken, but the cassette part nice. of it still works. I will bring it. We will listen to it, and you can listen to the creative process of me writing songs because I know nice. how much you love my songs. Oh, um, of course. So people we lost in 2021 last year. We can just kind of go back and forth. Sure. Um, I I I got to be honest. The the biggest one is obviously Betty White. I was going to say we're going to start with Betty White or end with I Betty White. I think we should, you know, we can just start with her. Okay. 
I got to be honest. I've never seen an episode of Hot in Cleveland. And I almost hate to admit this. I have never seen a single episode of the Golden Girls. It just never. Wow. It never appealed to me. I just. Okay. But I loved Betty White. And I think everyone did. And and so I always remember her for three things. Sue Ann Nivens on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Number two, match game. And number three, the celebrity roast of William Shatner. So, oh yeah, I forgot for me, at least that was the first time that I ever heard her be crude. And of all the celebrity roasts that they've ever done over the years, the Shatner roast is the absolute best. So if you haven't seen it, oh my God. So Betty White gets up to the mic to roast Shatner. And George Takei was there too. I remember Takei's bit. It was funny. (laughs) So she gets up and she says, I'm so old. I caught the bouquet at Shatner's wedding. I also caught the ring at Sulu's. Oh my, my, my. (laughs) Oh. And it was just so funny. I just like, I can't believe Betty White just said that. But anyway, so those are the memories I have of Betty White. A little bit different than, than some people's, but man, oh man, she was something else. Wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been reading a lot of the stuff that's been posted from various celebrities and various news outlets. And one of the things that I keep seeing over and over and over again is given how many years Betty Light was Betty White was in the spotlight, there is there have not been any negative stories that I've seen come out. And that's one of the things they keep commenting on. Here's someone who was in the public eye for 70 plus years. You never heard stories about her being mean to people. You never heard her stories about her saying things behind people's back. You never saw her in any sort of scandal, be it a sexual scandal or any anything like that. It was always positive, 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 positive. It was, you know, her her um, relationship and marriage to uh, what is Alan Ludden was that Alan Ludden, yeah, Alan Ludden. There was there was the whole fairy tale story around that. There was her love of animals, her continued love of animals all the years through. There was just her generosity and her ability to give. And the fact that she was on all these great shows. She was on Mary Tyler Moore's show. She was on The Golden Girls. She was on Hot in Cleveland. Again, like you have never watched Hot in Cleveland. And she did movies. Like the last 50 years, she's been in all these movies. And as she got older, it was like she became a pop culture phenomenon like mm-hmm. given her age you wouldn't expect the uh, you know a person let alone a woman of her age to be as r- culturally relevant as she was in her last 20 years and and there's things like her relationship with someone like Ryan Reynolds who she was in a couple of movies with and they obviously had a playful and and meaningful relationship but they would like have these like twitter banters going on that everyone else could read and it's just all the positivity around everything she did and, and how she inspired the people she worked with to be better. It's the, you know, how she, she personifies or personified how to be a role model. And one of the things somebody mentioned to me that they had read um, was how, you know, when Betty White passed a few weeks ago, or I guess last week, um, there was all this outpouring of, of you know, love and emotion from everybody across the U S and Canada and well around the world. But it's interesting because it wasn't just the Republicans or the Democrats. It was everybody. Everybody seemed to love Betty white. She was able to be that universal constant that everybody could relate to in some way. 
you maybe didn't relate to her in the same way as everybody, but everybody was able to relate to her. Like for me, I always remembered her as, as you know, her role in the golden girls. But I also remember her from game shows. Cause as you and I always talk about, we love eighties game shows and she was a staple on those game oh, shows yeah. for so long. And she was so good at them. And, um, but we were saying like, how many other people can you think of performers, celebrities, famous people, athletes, whatever, where if they were to die, I mean, I hope, I hope obviously you don't wish that on anyone, but if they were to die, you would have this outpouring of, of sincerity across the board. And we couldn't really think of anybody else that was like that, that continues to have that appeal to literally everybody, regardless of your age, your gender, your, your, you know, uh, racial background, your, your religion, your political views, like everybody loved her. And you got to sort of wonder how have things changed so much that we don't have more people like Betty White. And it's unfortunate. And I think she'll really be missed. I want to go through some people and we can go back and forth with people that like personally affected me, you know, and what I want to talk about is Peter Scolari. So he was in Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks. Yep. And needless to say, Tom Hanks went on to become, you know, one of the most famous actors of his generation. But Peter Scolari obviously never achieved that same success. But he was he was in New Heart. And, and so, so my wife and I used to watch this HBO series a few years ago called Girls. Have you ever seen it or have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. I've never watched it. It just never seemed like it was a kind of show that would appeal to me. It had Adam Driver, right? Uh, yes, it was with and a, Lena Dunham. Lena, Lena Dunham was and, the driving it, force behind it, obviously. fantastic. Anyway, so Peter Scolari plays Lena Dunham's dad. And the oh, mom from that. Freaks and Geeks played her mom. Oh, nice. And, and there was this one episode where Peter Scolari and the mom from Freaks and Geeks, they're in the shower and they're having sex. And the door breaks and he falls on the floor and his back goes out on him and he can't get up. And then Lena Dunham comes in and you see Peter Scolari doing like full frontal nudity in this scene. And it was just so unbelievably awkward and so just hilariously funny at the same time. I just, I always thought it was such a brave choice to make as an actor to do that scene. And I, I think he was underappreciated as an actor. And he just, I don't know, he had so much to do with the success of Bosom Buddies as much as Hanks did, I think. And, and Peter Scolari was one guy I think it was just an underappreciated actor. I always liked him. I thought he was good. That's fair. That's a good pick. Yeah. I mean, you know, RIP. Um, so yeah, I, I, I put together a list of about a dozen or so people that we've lost that I can speak to, but I mean, obviously I'm not going to speak to all of them. And it's some of them we've already spoken sure. to when they passed. But um, one of the ones I want to, I want uh, you know, one I want to start with is um, Dean Stockwell, who I think we talked oh, yes. about a little bit That's when he passed. One, yeah. So quantum leap was one of my favorite shows as a teenager. And, and we've talked about, I've talked about Quantum Leap a number of times on this podcast. We talked about like shows that could have a good reboot or shows that we wish could have one more season. Like I thought the Quantum Leap premise was great. And part of what I loved about Quantum Leap was the relationship between Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. I thought they really had chemistry together. I believe Dean Stockwell was nominated for an Emmy at least one or possibly two seasons of this show. I mean, he did have a pretty decent movie career as well. I, I always remember him as uh, one of the goofy bad guys in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yes. Um, but I mean, you know, not the and he was in uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica 
in the you know in the early 2000s uh again he had a, a he was sort of a real creepy kind of bad guy but uh, he he was perfectly cast for the kind of role they needed him to do uh i think he was always a little bit underrated i think he in the, the times when i remember seeing him he was always playing against a bigger star and i think i i'd like to believe that he realized that hey i may not be the star but I am important to this scene in order to make the star's performance that much better. And and I think that that was something that he was really good at. And I always liked when he was in a movie or he was in a TV show, if I didn't know what it was about, I'm like, it's got Dean Stockwell. I'm giving it a chance. So that was one that certainly uh, when he passed, I was like, oh, that's too bad. R.I.P. Dean Stockwell. I'm glad that you mentioned that Dean Stockwell was kind of underappreciated, you know, because I think that's a recurring thing. For me, yeah. as I look back on some of the actors that we lost and some of the famous people that we lost last year, Norm Macdonald, I want to talk about, not just because he was Canadian, although that helped, but man, oh man, he was one of the funniest human beings that ever lived on this planet. And I think he got kind of blackballed around Hollywood. So when he was on SNL back in the mm-hmm. mid nineties, he hosted Weekend Update. Yes. And when, when OJ Simpson killed his wife and, 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 and Ronald Goldman back in like 94, Norm Macdonald just wouldn't let up on the OJ jokes. And, well, as it turned out, one of the top execs at NBC was also friends with OJ. And so he told, you know, Norm Macdonald, he said, like, hey, man, you got to lay off the, the OJ jokes. So what did Norm Macdonald do? Wrapped him up even down. more. Of course he did. <laughs> and it, just, it basically just, like, he came out on every show and just basically said, OJ did it. <laughs> and it pissed off a lot of people. And... You know, since OJ was found not guilty at the trial, and we all know how the U.S. justice system works, you know, like a verdict of not guilty doesn't mean that, you know, they're innocent, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, far from it. Just but means I, you're rich or you're white or both. Exactly. I think I think one of my favorite moments with with uh, Norm Macdonald was when OJ put out this book and Norm Macdonald was on live TV on SNL and he's like, OJ Simpson mentioned in his new book, that he would have taken a bullet for Nicole. And he's like, boy, isn't that so bad? The one person on the planet that would take a bullet for you kills you. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. And then right after that, he got fired from SNL. And I also remember he used to go on Conan O'Brien's show on Late Night with him. And one of the funniest people that ever lived. He was on the show around Christmas time one time on uh, on Conan. And Conan was like mentioned, he's like, oh, I, I don't really know what to get Andy Richter for for gift, for Christmas. I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to get him as a gift. And Norm MacDonald's like, just get him some gay porn. And Andy Richter's like, I'm married. What are you like? Why would he bring that up on national TV? Like, And then um, Carrot Top was on one time. And I remember he was like promoting his movie. It was called Chairman of the Board. And Norm Macdonald. Oh, I remember like, that movie. It was big when I was a blockbuster. Well, oh, yeah, it came was, out when I was a blockbuster. Right. I don't want to say it was dumb, big. Right. And Norm Macdonald's like, oh, that's Chairman of the Board, B O R E D, right? Nice. <laughs> he, just, he would make jokes about anybody, anywhere, anytime. Man, oh, man. I just, and I think he never really got his due either. So just, I don't know. So he's mine. Fair enough. Uh, if I was to say to you, Omar's coming, Omar coming. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. All right. So if you've ever seen the TV show, The Wire, which you have clearly not, um, one of the uh, more 
recognizable characters in it is a character called Omar, who is uh, one of, we'll call him one of the villains, but maybe not so much one of the villains, but definitely one of the strong supporting characters that is featured in, I believe, all five seasons of The Wire. He was played by a very gifted actor called Michael K. Williams. Most people, if you ever saw him, he's got like, he had this big scar that ran right down the middle of his face. Um, And he basically broke onto the scene in The Wire. He played this, this gangster, tough guy, Omar, that was like no nonsense. Everybody was afraid of him, but he was... He was an openly gay character, which in the early 90s, late 90s was, again, not something you saw very often, especially because he wasn't um, he wasn't belittled for this. This was just a part of his character. He was this tough as nails, feared guy in the in the hood, and he happened to be gay. And it's like that was just a part of the story, a part of his character. And um, Michael K. Williams went on to do a lot of sort of character roles in in movies and TV. Most recently, just before he passed, he had a very strong supporting role in the series Lovecraft Country uh, just last year. I want to say he was nominated for an Emmy, uh, which he unfortunately did not win. But um, this is someone who was uh, coming into his own. uh, You know, he had been around for 20 years or so, had had these a lot of small parts in a lot of big projects. And uh, Lovecraft Country, I think, was certainly one of the bigger, more uh, prestige things that he had been in. And it's just unfortunate that he passed when he did. I got to think he was in like his early 50s. So like we could have seen this guy for another 20 or 30 years. Um, Honestly, I I don't remember. I think it was something to do with drugs, uh, prescription drugs or something, overdose. I don't remember the specifics, but um, we lost Michael K. Williams last year. And I think that's unfortunate. But uh, he's someone who uh, people will remember. I want to mention Gavin McLeod, not only Murray Slaughter on the Mary Tyler Moore show, but he was Captain Steubing. Now, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it around here, but I'm a huge fan of the love boat, Derek. No. <laughs> so it was funny. After Christmas, my kids, um, they got some money from their aunts. And so they wanted to go and buy something, you know, with all the boxing week sales and all that. So I took them to the mall. We went to the DVD store and I walked out with a copy of Meatballs and the Love Boat Season 2. Nice. Go figure. But I, I think Gavin McLeod was one for me. So Nice. Uh, I, w- I want to do a sort of a, a pair here, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but I think it's worth mentioning. Sure. This past year, we lost Rush Limbaugh and Larry Flint. Yes. And I think these guys are, are good to do together because they were sort of uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. You have Rush Limbaugh, who was this extreme conservative, you know, bigot, I'm going to say it like he was polarizing for all the wrong oh, reasons. Yeah. And on the other end, you have Larry Flint who love him or hate him. And I know a lot of people hated him. What he did for free speech rights, even though he had the penthouse magazine, which, you know, we're not going to belittle the fact that it, like it, it's pornographic and it was for many people inappropriate and despicable and dirty. And, and that's fine. We're not disputing that. But the fact that Larry Flint had to, you know, had, uh, was put in a position where his filthy magazine was able to fight the U.S. Supreme Court for things like free speech laws and copyright laws and be, you know, it's that whole thing of, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying, but I will fight for the right to allow you to say it in order to be a part of a free country. You know, whether you agree or disagree with Larry Flint's personal politics and the magazine he produced and the pornographic empire he ruled over, that's one thing. But what 
he was able to do for free speech and free speech laws and precedent, I think is very important. And on the other end, you have Rush Limbaugh, who would celebrate the death of a gay person. Like, you have the polar opposite sides, and you never want to celebrate the death of somebody, and I don't want to go so far as to say that, but, you know, I think these two guys were the absolute polar opposites of the same spectrum, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your beliefs, both of them died this past year, and I think we'll feel the loss of at least one of them and maybe not so much the loss of the other one. But, you know, hey, I know we try to stay as neutral as possible, politically speaking, but both of these guys died this year. And I felt it's important to acknowledge mm. what they both stood for, rightly or wrongly. Well said. Well said. I want to mention Richard Donner. He was basically a one man gang when it came to making he was, movies. Because he's next on my list. So I'm he glad would, you he would like produce, direct, write, edit. He would do like all in one. You know, he started off in TV, like back in the 70s, and then he did the the Omen. And let's let's be honest, he made the world believe a man could fly with Superman and Superman 2. Yes, he one did. One of my all-time faves, that one. And then, of course, another one of my all-time faves, The Goonies. Yep. And then he did Lethal Weapon and Scrooge. He even made Inside Moves with John Savage. Such a good little movie, if you've never seen hey, it. Hey, don't forget Maverick. With Mel Gibson and uh, uh, James, James uh, Garner, yeah, Garner, the original. I love. We're gonna have to do that movie not in the not too distant future. That is one of my personal faves, guilty pleasures. When it comes on, I can't help but watch it. It, it there's a lot to like about Maverick. We've mentioned a few people that have been underappreciated so far, and I think Richard Donner is one of them. At least when we talk about the greatest directors of all time, but I think he like he's underappreciated, but he was up there. Um, Christopher Plummer, I wanted to mention as well, legendary Canadian actor, but he was never a superstar. You know, and he was in The Sound of Music. I mean, he really cut his chops uh, doing Shakespeare in uh, Stratford, Ontario. Yep. He yep. was friends with Shatner when they were both like kind of coming up as young stage actors. He was in Knives Out, you know, most it, Which was really good. If you haven't seen this, check it out. It was fantastic. His daughter, Amanda Plummer, like she's a very unique actress. She was Honey Bunny in Pulp Fiction. And... I just, I don't know. I think in a lot of ways, I don't think mainstream audiences appreciated just how talented and accomplished that Christopher Plummer was, especially as a stage actor. So a lot of other, um, uh, you know, honorable mentions, and I'm going to get to one of my favorites then at the end, but people like Jessica Walter, George Segal. Yeah. As you bring them up too. Yeah. I got a couple more on my list too. Once you're done. Cicely Tyson, Cloris Leachman with all the work Cloris Leachman did on TV. I will always love her role in Mel Brooks history of the world. Part one. She's like almost unrecognizable. Um, Marion Ramsey. She played hooks on police Academy. If you remember Tanya, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tanya Roberts from Charlie's angels. She was in um, Beastmaster and viewed a kill. Too, she died last and year. And that seventies show, she played yeah. Donna. Oh, that's Mom. right, she did. And Michael Apted, I want to mention, he directed a lot of movies, including one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time, which was Continental Divide with John Belushi and Blair Brown. But you, you had uh, one more you wanted to get to before I get to my last. Uh, one? Yeah, two more, real quick. Sure. So I want to mention author Anne Rice, who wrote oh, Interview yes. with a Vampire. Good one. So I, I, I uh, although. Honestly, in the last 10 years, my my reading has gone down tremendously. But in the 90s and 2000s, early 2000s, I was a big reader. I read probably a book a week for almost every year in the 90s and most of the years in the 2010s, partly because once I started working and I was commuting every day, I had a long subway ride 
to and from work. And when you're on the subway, that's a lot of dead time. And this was before podcasts. And this was before people had music on their phones. This is before phones for money part. So it's like, what else are you going to do to not just be bored on the subway? Like it's dead time. So I would read and read and read. And I, I mean, I love fantasy books. I love books about like monsters and sci-fi and like Anne Rice wrote call her horror novelist, but I'm going to say like small case H like she wasn't like horror gore and all that stuff. It was more these character studies that were buried under the horror genre. So interview with the vampire and the vampire Lestat and queen of the damned. Like I remember reading those three books and just thinking like, Oh my God, these are fantastic. And then they turned the first one into a movie with Tom Cruise. Unfortunately, I think a big failing of that movie was it was so badly miscast for so mm. many reasons. Right. But she wrote a ton of stuff and I probably read about a dozen of her books. I, I always enjoyed them. I thought she was a gifted author. And uh, although I honestly haven't really been following her the last five or 10 years, so I'm not really sure how much she was putting out towards the end of her life, but the stuff she put out in like the nineties and the early two thousands were staples. Anyone who was an avid reader who enjoyed that kind of genre, especially the vampire books. Like these were solid reads. I think I read interview with the vampire two or three, two times for sure. And, uh, uh, like the vampire Lestat, I think is an underrated book. It's, it was so good. So I think we're going to miss the fact that, you know, Anne Rice has come and gone. Now she leaves behind a huge legacy of this, of these written novels. So, you know, if you haven't read Anne Rice or you haven't read Anne Rice in a long time, do yourself a favor, pick up at the very minimum, pick up interview with the vampire. If you enjoy it, go to the vampire Lestat. You will not be disappointed. It is fantastic. I thought the second book vampire Lestat was way better than interview with the vampire, but you need to do interview with the vampire first. Cause you need to understand who these characters are before you move to the second part. And then the last one I want to mention, mm -hmm. this was an odd one. So in preparation for the podcast, I did a lot of internet searches who, you know, who did we lose this year? Who were some famous musicians? Who were some famous actors? Who were some famous athletes? Like, who did we lose? And this was one that came up that I didn't expect to find. And I, I was both, you know, educated and interested at the same time. So, Chris, do you know who Lou Ottens is? No. I'm just going to read you a little blurb I found online. Okay. Dutch engineer and inventor Lou Ottens who is credited with inventing the audio cassette tape oh, died wow. on March 6th, 2021 at age 94. Wow. In 1960, Ottens became head of production development at Philips, the company he stayed at during his entire career. And three years later, the company introduced the compact cassette, which revolutionized the way people play and record music. Over 100 billion cassette tapes have been sold globally Jeez. over the past 58 years, wow. and the format is enjoying a resurgence in popularity in recent years. Ottens was also involved in the development of the compact disc, the CD, which launched in the 1980s. Ottens retired in 1984, but remained active in the field of technology for many years. So I think this is someone that you would never normally really think about or never really see in the public eye. But the fact that he was instrumental in creating the cassette tape that we know and love, he's got to be mentioned. So he's my last one I'm going to mention for the in memoriam. RIP Lou Ottens. Thank you for conventing the cassette tape. That one is cool. Okay. So we talked about some underappreciated people so far tonight. And, and maybe the most underappreciated actor of this generation 
was one of my favorites, and that was Charles Grodin. I mean, like, where do you even start with this guy? I mean, Derek, you and I always talk about character actors, and I think for a lot of people, Charles Grodin kind of fell into that category. But for me, he was like a huge part of some of my favorite Gen X movies. So a few that that stood out for me were Seems Like Old Times, Heaven Can Wait, and Ishtar. But also, there was The Lonely Guy, and it was this little movie that Steve Martin did with Carl Reiner, and there's these scenes where Steve Martin and Charles Grodin are sitting on a park bench and they're totally improvising their lines. It's just unbelievable. They're basically these two lonely losers in life. And I always remember this one the one uh, lines that they had. Charles Grodin basically says, I hate napping. Steve Martin is like, why? And Charles Grodin says, when I first wake up in the morning and I get that initial shock of who I am and what my life is like, I can't handle that more than once a day. <laughs> I, just, I just, I don't know. He just had this way about him. I don't know. He was like sort of this soft-spoken, understated kind of way of saying things and kind of like Bob Newhart was in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? But uh, Charles Grodin was amazing, man. I loved that guy and we lost him last year. So stood out to me. Anything else before we get to trivia? Just a couple of things I want to sort of bounce back to here. Um, TV shows, uh, a couple other TV shows that if you didn't have a chance to check out, you should check out Superman and Lois on the CW. So you think, oh, geez, another story about Superman. This is actually sort of think of it more as Superman, the next generation. So as is happening in DC Comics right now, Superman and Lois Lane have had a couple of kids and the kids are now hitting puberty and sure enough they're developing superpowers and this this show is about well what happens if superman had two children and one of them gets powers and one doesn't and how does that work and how does the kid who has powers sort of handle it and how does superman as the dad sort of help the one kid become a new superhero and still be a dad to the not superhero kid and it's actually a really interesting twist on what you might think is the typical Superman story that you might have thought you already knew. So it was, a, I really feel it's a very interesting new take on the Superman mythology. So definitely I would say check it out. It got picked up for season two, which I believe they're shooting right now. So we should get that soon. Um, the other one that I, I have already talked about ad nauseum on previous shows is another animated show from Amazon Prime is called Invincible. And it's, again, very similar idea. Imagine your dad is Superman and you think you're going to get superpowers and you don't. And you're disappointed. And then suddenly you get superpowers and you're like, oh, my God, this is great. And then you realize, oh, my dad is not as super and awesome as I thought he was. He's got a whole bunch of hidden agendas going on. And as the son of Superman, it is now my responsibility to sort of keep my dad in check and Invincible, I think it ran about 10 episodes. It's fantastic. It's based on a long-running comic book series, which, honestly, I knew nothing about. And season two should be coming out pretty soon. It's A-plus solid. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. And then finally, I want to just bounce back to movies. My favorite movie of the year, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. It is the culmination of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's everything you want out of a Spider-Man movie, everything you want out of a Marvel comic books movie. But there are so many things to spoil in this that I don't want to go into it. I just want to say 
if you're a fan of Spider-Man in any way, shape or form, you need to see this movie. You need to stay off the internet and not look up anything. You need to avoid trailers. You need to avoid, cause there is just a ridiculous amount of stuff that can be spoiled. And if you have been able to avoid the spoilers, when you, when these things happen in the movie, you're just gonna be blown away. And I was fortunately one of those people that I managed to avoid almost all the spoilers. So the movie to me just went from, you know, a 10 to an 11. Like the movie in my mind was just so good. And this might, this might just be recency bias. Cause someone asked me, they're like, Oh, is it your favorite Marvel movie? And I'm like, it absolutely is. And like really better than Thor Ragnarok, better than Avengers Endgame. And I'm like, might just be the recency bias talking, but yes, the other movie I want to just mention real quick is Dune. And I think we talked about this a few episodes back. It's very stylistic and it's very close to the source material. It is nothing like the Dune movie that came out in the 1980s, but it's a solid movie. And if you have the chance to see this in the theater, great. If you have to watch it on your home theater, great. But it's solid. And uh, those are definitely my two favorites of the year. Spider-Man No Way Home is my number one and Dune is my number two. So thanks. Well, that, yeah. we took a full look back. We looked at movies, we looked at TV shows, we looked at people that we lost, you know, for a uh, for a year that was kind of limited in pop culture. We, we certainly uh, dug right into everything. So that was good. So what do you say now we have some fun with Caveman? All right, my friend, what better way to look back at 2021? Then with just some pop culture trivia from 2020. Oh, all right. So these would be easy ones. I think you're going to get them all right. So let's start with this one. What was the highest grossing film at the domestic U.S. box office for 2021, Derek? Uh, I got to think it was Spider-Man. It was Spider-Man Away Home, $572 million. How and, did it make that much money? And it came out like in the middle of December, right? Like it was... It was just the right movie, the right time with the right appeal. I mean, yeah, it was right. super good. So that was the highest grossing film. What was the number two movie at the domestic Ooh. U.S. box office? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, okay, let me think about this for a second. So I know The Matrix came out a week later, but that only gave it about eight or nine days. So I don't know if it was The Matrix. It might have been Shang-Chi, which came out. I'm going to say Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You are a bit of a drop off. So Spider-Man made $572 million. Number two, Shang-Chi, $224 million. Still very respectable. No, not bad. All right, Kim Kardashian. She sure. appeared at the Met Gala in 2021 wearing a dress that covered her face. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know how people still recognized it was her. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> <But> <laughs> anyway, Kim Kardashian announced that she was leaving show business. Was she ever in show business to begin with? I don't know. But anyway, don't know. She, she decided to make a career change, Derek. What career path is Kim Kardashian now pursuing? Uh, um, was her old career actress? I'm not worried about the old girl. What's what's well, the new I'm just, career? I, I mean, I would think her career is influencer, but if that was her old career, then she left that. I'm going to say influencer. I can't think of anything else. No, lawyer. Really? Yeah, she decided to go to law school when she was told about the hung jury, I'm sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a better dad joke than the one we started the show with. Oh, there we go. All right. Her past will never escape her. Okay, so speaking of Kim Kardashian, she broke up with Kanye West last year, Derek. Good for her. 
<laughs> no kidding. What would what did Kanye West change his name to in 2021? Um, I, I, not only do I not know, I really don't care. Ye, Y E. He changed his name to Ye, whatever the hell that is. All right, sure. If you say if you say so, I believe you. I'm going to give you a multiple choice question on this one. Okay, what classic TV show has not been recently rebooted? Okay, okay, I'm going to get this. Will, and, Gra- Will and Grace, Sex and the City, Full House, and Friends. Well, it's got to be Friends. That's right. I was hoping it may trip you up a bit with that reunion. No, thing no, it was Fuller House. It was that you already mentioned the Sex and the City one, and I know Will and, and Grace and has been rebooted, whatever it's called. And yeah, Will and Grace has been rebooted. Yeah. My wife's been watching it, but yeah. All right. According to Spotify, what was the most streamed song worldwide in 2021? Wow. You know, and okay, I'm just gonna say I have no idea the answer, but the reason part of it is. In preparation for this show, I did a, a search of the top 100 Billboard charts of this year because I want to talk about music, and I realized I didn't recognize a single song from this year, not one. And I, I, I really need to correct that. So no, I had no clue. It was called "Driver's License" by Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, that, I did, that definitely is. that was in the top 10 of the list I looked at. All right. Okay, so the term NFT was all the rage in 2021. Yep. Derek, what does NFT stand for? Oh, I I have no idea. I know what I, I I think I know what an NFT is, but I have no idea what it is. It's a non fungible token. Non fungible sure token. Okay. Is fungible a real word? Do they make that up for that? Uh, who knows? The whole thing's made up as far as I'm concerned. Okay, who was Time Magazine's Person of the Year for 2021? Oh, good question. Uh, whew, that is a good question. Was it a political person? Was it an entertainer? Was it, uh, you know, I honestly don't remember hearing who it was. Um, I, I have no idea. Late on. It was Elon Musk. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Go figure. All right. Which recording artist took home the Grammy? for album of the year in 2021. Wow. Can you give me the name of the album? Sure. The album was called Folklore. Oh, geez, that doesn't help. Uh, I'm going to play the odds on this one and go with a performer that I actually have heard of and say Billie Eilish. No. Taylor Swift. Oh, that was my second pick. Damn it. <laughs> All right, Derek, what is, what is Facebook's new name? It's not just Facebook. I'm on the site every day. How did I not? It's not just Facebook. I don't know. Meta. Meta. They changed the name really? like the organization. That All can't right. be right. In 2021. I don't believe you on that. I, I'm calling BS on that one. Really? I'm just going to go look we got it a up, Facebook you know right now and I'm opening it up and it says there's still the blue F search Facebook. Yep. I, I, I'm calling BS on that it's one. It's the organization itself. The, the corporation. Okay. Uh, okay. In 2021. A Netflix series became the first ever streaming series to win an Emmy for Outstanding Drama. Can you name the Netflix series that won the Emmy? Was it the chess one? Was it, what the hell is that one called? It was called Queen's Gambit? It was The Crown. The Crown. Oh, that makes so much more sense, yeah. All right, last one. 
Who was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive for 2021? Okay, I think I, and hint, I think it I know wasn't this. me. Okay, I don't think I know this. Okay, no, I think I know this. I think I know this because it was a lot of punchlines going after. Was it Paul Rudd? It was Paul Rudd, who was the same age as Wilford Brimley when he starred in Cocoon. Nice. Now, now I know the 80s were a different time, but I'm pretty willing to go out on a limb here and say that Wilford Brimley was never named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. So. Uh, hey, man, uh, you know, the way you judge these things changes over time. Now, I actually heard <laughs> on a podcast recently. Yep. That when Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon, mm-hmm. they did extra makeup on him to make him look older and fatter. Now, I don't necessarily believe that, but I literally heard that on a podcast a couple months ago. And I'm like, I remember I was outside shoveling the driveway listeners podcast and I'm yelling at the podcast going, that's a bunch of BS. You guys don't know what that's you're talking true. about. That's not true. <laughs> I think that's just wish fulfillment by the Wilford Brimley people. <laughs> that's the Wilford Brimley estate. Trying to, trying to push some props. Is he dead? Wilford Brimley dead? Really? I don't know. It's, isn't he dead? <laughs> I have no idea. He should be. He looks like he's 99. <laughs> I mean, anyway. didn't he have diabetes? He's got to be know. dead by now. <laughs> I'm going I mean, I don't mean that in a malicious way <laughs> no, at all. Exactly. If you're still alive, Wilford Brimley, thanks for listening. <laughs> we take it back. And Wilford Brimley, all the best. I think he's great. Loved him in Cocoon. Don't please, don't, don't be dead. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, so that, that was our look, our look back on... 2021 and, and Wilfred Brimley. Uh, so next time out, we're going to come back with a topic. But until then, this is Chris McBride on behalf of myself and Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Culture World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs>。for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.